I'm Natalie Tisdall, a journalist who decided enough is enough. I left a career that looked glamorous to do what I was scared of doing, going out on my own. I'm a married working mom of three. On this podcast, we're going to talk about issues that really matter. Why am I not sleeping? What's up with that diet everyone's talking about? Are my kids falling behind? How do I leave that job and start over? Welcome to the Natalie Tisdall Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Hey everyone, it's Natalie. I am excited to let you know that I'm opening up spaces for collaboration and advertising and sponsorship on this podcast and on my YouTube channel. If you're a brand looking to grow in the wellness, family, or mindfulness spaces, I would love to collaborate with you. You can find a link to get in touch with me in the show notes, and you can always find out more about what I'm up to on natalietisdall.com. I'm joining you from my school job today. Usually I record at my home podcast studio, but I had so much going on today that I'm here in my school office. So it's a little bit different. If it sounds different, that's why. I think you're really going to like this topic today. I think it's a really important one. I'm talking about control, gaining control and letting go of control. Why do we feel the need to often control things? I have to admit something to you. I like feeling in control. It's been something that actually as a parent, I've had to learn to deal with because if we're not giving some control to our kids, then they're not gaining confidence and learning to do things for themselves. We have to be able to give away control to empower other people. You're going to love my guest today. I learned so much from Dr. William Sticksrud. He is a clinical psychologist. He has a doctorate degree in educational psychology. He's a faculty member at the Children's National Medical Center. He's an assistant professor at George Washington University School of Medicine, and he's a best-selling author. He has so much insight into empowering our kids and our family members, because let's face it, our goal should not be to make our kids do well. Our goal should be to help our kids want to do well. So how do we do that? You're going to find out in the podcast today. Let's get started. Dr. Sticksrud, I want to talk today about the need for control, why we think as parents and then why our kids need control. What is that? I mean, we all do it, right? Is it a natural human thing? Well, you know, it's interesting that my co-author and I, Ned Johnson, we work on our first book, The Self-Driven Child. We, we lectured together a lot before we started working on the book about topics related to kids' stress, motivation, not getting enough sleep and various things. And we, re- we realize that everything that we, we recommend to, to parents that's useful to, to kids has to do with increasing kids' sense of control of their own life. And we, 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 know, we know that the, 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 what makes life stressful, you can summarize it with the acronym NUTS, and it's novelty, the, the novelty, unpredictability, perceived threat, hmm. and a low sense of control. It's not being a good, that, that low sense of control, that, that, as opposed to feeling helpless or hopeless or passive or just chronically overwhelmed. You have a healthy sense of control that I can manage this. I, I can make my life go in, in a direction that, that makes sense. And that is hugely related to, to mental health. And it's, it's, it's that low sense of control that's the most stressful thing you can experience. And so we, we, we figured, and also every place we look to understand how do kids become the self-motivated, self-driven kind of a, a, yeah. adult or adolescent adult? It, all the arrows pointed in the direction of autonomy. We support autonomy. This is my life. I'm going to get out of what I put into it. 
And so we figured this must be a really big deal. And it turns out that a sense of control is, is related to everything, everything positive you could want for your kid is related to that healthy sense of control. So it's a big deal. You think about it just from a mental health point of view, if you're anxious, your thinking's out of control. Yeah. You got yeah. all this unwanted thoughts that you, you can't stop. And if you're depressed, you got no sense of control. Yeah, Let's divide this up into the parent that feels out of control and then the kid that yeah, feels sure, like they sure. have no control. Because sure. as a parent, I'm often thinking like, I need to, I need to figure this out. Like I need to figure this out for them. That gives me a sense of control. And then I feel like I'm doing good by my kids, but yeah. I'm actually not if I'm controlling everything. <laughs> well, it, it, it's true. I mean, it, it, certainly we're, we're wired we're, 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 as mammals. We're wired to, to protect our young mm-hmm. and to soothe them. But the, the challenge is if we do all the, the protecting and the soothing and, and, and problem solving for them, they don't learn to do it themselves and just become anxious. And yeah. the way kids develop that confidence that, that they aren't anxious, I can handle stuff. They develop by handling stuff. And so if, if we're solving the problems for them, that it just doesn't develop in, in the way that we want. It actually makes kids more anxious and more dependent um, on other people. So, so talk about yeah. the kids then and their yeah. need. And the first thing that comes to my mind, I have a college age daughter, a high school daughter and a middle school son. And I did this when I was a kid. So I know that it's a thing, but my kids will say, well, now that you told me to clean my room, I don't want to. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, well that doesn't work. Yeah. So that need for them to be in control of their own situation. But yet as the mom, I'm like, if you're not going to do it, I want you to form good habits. So you hear what I'm saying? This balance of, I want them to feel in control, but if they're not doing it, we've got a problem. Yeah. What we're talking about is a sense of control. It doesn't mean that they get to be a boss of everything. Or okay. they're, they're never, they never have to do anything. They don't feel like doing, mm-hmm. you know, it is this idea that we do um, that when kids feel forced, I mean, and the, the whole part of the premise is you really can't make a kid do anything. Mm-hmm. And once you make peace with that, it's really empowering. We talk about in our, our new book, we, we, we talk a lot about the language of a parent consultant. How do you give up the idea of, of, of using for, try to use force and to, to change kids? And, and we, we use the, the power of getting buy-in. It says that we don't try to lay stuff on kids. We, say, we, we ask questions tentatively, like, you know, is, is there a way that I could help? Or I wonder what would happen if you did it this way. And I think with, with the, the example you gave here, you know, nobody, most kids don't like to be told what to do. <laughs> and so what, what, what we can do is, is, is say, is when, we, when we're not, we're not frustrated, sit down, let's talk about this a little bit. We were big fans of the collaborative problem. Let's talk about collaborative problems. On let's talk about this, that, 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 I, that, that I, I have this urge to tell you what, when to clean it. And I know that you're capable of doing it on your own, but what'd be the best way for us to work out where the, 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 the chores get done, but where I don't have to tell you to do it. But what, what, what suggestion from kids? They may not be perfect. But move in that direction of working things out with kids and getting out of, the, of being their boss or their manager. And think about yourself. We, we recommend in both of our books, think about yourself more as your consultant to your kid. Because ultimately, whether they do this chore this week or next week, it's not that big a deal, obviously. But by your relationship with them is a very big deal. And you're communicating confidence they can figure that out on their own is a very big deal. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So I love this idea in the most recent book that you have of creating the motivation in your kids 
to want to do something versus again, being forced to that in intrinsic motivation. Tell us about how we can help our kids find and discover their own motivation. Yeah. So for for Ned and I, my co-author and I, that our our North star in in terms of understanding motivation is what's called self-determination theory. It's been around for 30 years and it holds it for kids to be intrinsically motivated for us too. Mm-hmm. But you have to have three needs fulfilled. One is for a sense of, of relatedness or connectedness. One is a sense of competence. And the third is a sense of autonomy. And we, 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 Ned and I interviewed one of the guys who developed self-determination theory when we were writing The Self-Given Child and said, we feel that, that autonomy is the most important. Is it absolutely? So if, if, if nothing else, remember that, that one of the, the, the best things we can do is support kids' sense of autonomy, that sense that this is your life the sense that I don't always know better than you do. Hmm. And we can do that in part by encouraging kids to make their own decisions. And I, I personally think that the best message you can give a teenager, besides that I'm crazy about you, is that I have confidence in your ability to make decisions about your own life and to learn from your mistakes. And I want you to have a ton of practice doing that before I send you out to college. Our angle is that we want kids to be able to run their own life for at least six months at living at home before we send them off to college. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and, right. and, and so that, that, that's why this the promoting that sense of autonomy, sense of control. And it doesn't mean that, that, that things are, that we, that there's not consequences or that they get to do whatever they want, as I said, but it does mean that, that our role, you know, from our point of view, our role is, is to think about how do we help kids figure out who they want to be, what kind of life they want and how to get there. As opposed to thinking, I know what's best for them. Here's what you need to do. Yeah. Here's, here's the plan for you. Yeah, And I think so. I, I think that sense of control is hugely important, both in this motivational, the autonomy piece of motivation, but also um, in the, the mental health, because simply you got to when you're in, when you have a healthy sense of control, as opposed to feeling helpless or passive or, or overwhelmed, the prefrontal cortex uh, regulates the rest of your brain, the prefrontal cortex, which can think clearly, logically, put things in perspective, calm yourself down when you start to get stressed. regulates the rest of the brain. When you, when you have a low sense of control, your, your stress response basically runs your brain. Yeah. And we want kids to be, for kids to be in their right mind and for us to be in the right mind. We want that, that, that healthy brain state that's associated with a sense of control. So I know there are people listening or watching this who are thinking I'm too far gone. My kid is making bad decisions or I have a teenager who is, again, making bad decisions, or I, I, I don't even know where I'd begin with this. Can, can one be too far gone to start implementing some of this? If you have a teenager who feels in control, but that type of control is, say, their language or using drugs or getting bad grades, like where do you start in turning things around? So, I mean, I, I think that the, the, there, there are, in, in, in both our books, we, we talk about, there are some limits to this idea, think about yourself as a consultant. And one is, if kids are deeply depressed and they're suicidal, you put them in treatment whether they want to be in or, or not. You, you do a power play. If we think kids are seriously drug involved, we do the same thing. But short of that, you know, short of that, we, we, we want to offer help, not try to force it. We want to, and and I think that that the question about is are they ever too old? Absolutely not. 
Absolutely not. Jesus, I, I, I mean, it's, it's very common. Men and I, before COVID, Ned and I would be lecturing about, about our book. Somebody in the audience after about 10 minutes say, what if I've already screwed up my kid? You know, and, and, well, you know, you, you just, you, you apologize. You see, I used to think, you know, I, I used to think that I needed to, to, to be in charge of, of your life. And I realized that, 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 that that's crazy. That you're, you're a smart kid. You can figure it out. And I'm going to change my role here. I'm not, I, I realized also I couldn't force you to do stuff. You know, and so we, we, in our new book, we have a lot of this language that we can use. But I, mean, I, I just, in our new book, we, we talk about this motivational interview, this way of, of communicating with, with kids that doesn't that use no force. There's, there's no pressure to try to change. What does that really, look like? Yeah, I want to hear that. Well, it, 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 what, it, what it involves is people are talking about a problem and you, you, you kind of ask open-ended questions to try to understand it and, and, and you reflect back to them. So what, what you're saying is that, here's what, I, what I'm getting is, I mean, I'm understanding this right. So we reflect, we reflect back and we wait for them to, 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 to basically articulate what they call change talk, which is that, yeah, that, that, that smoking pot makes you feel great for, for a while, but, but you know, and, and, and I'm rest relaxed. I don't worry so much about my homework, but I'm not getting anything done either. You know, I, I can't play basketball. I can't practice, but basketball is hard as I need to. And kids, listening for people to, to voice their, 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 to articulate their own reason for change, really powerful. Hmm. And I had a conversation with a mother who was a 27 year old who had graduated just a couple of weeks ago, graduated from college and was a star baseball player actually in college, worked for a couple of years, but, but then had been, got laid off, girlfriend dumped him, got depressed and was living at home doing nothing for two years. And, and the mother told me all the things she's tried to do the kid to change. And, and, and I, I said, it seems to me that all the energy is focusing on to get him to be different. And that, that's, that's completely, it leaves you completely powerless. You have, and you can't, you really can't change another person unless they're asking you to, to, to help them change. Mm-hmm. And so I said, I suggested ways that she can change the energy and, and let him know that, that, that she's not trying to get him to change, but, but she's, she's that one, one possibility is not freeloading here, that if he's got problems, he needs to get treatment or, or whatever she, she, she could live with. But just changing the energy from trying to change him to being assertive about, about herself, about what she's willing to do and not willing to do very quickly. This kid, kid called me for the first time and wanted to talk with me, pick my brain, and uh, basically initiating, help me here. And he hadn't, he, hadn't, he hadn't wanted people to help him for two years. And it was simply that change in that energy. So it's never too late to use these principles, even with our adult children. Since starting my own business, I have discovered something I never knew I would enjoy so much. What is it? making my own graphics. Maybe you've seen my YouTube cover templates, Instagram quotes, and carousels, also Facebook infographics. Can I tell you how much fun I'm having and how easy it is to make these on Canva? I even do it on my phone. It's that easy. If you're looking for a simple way to make graphics for social media, maybe school, I'm a teacher as well, so I use it for that, or even for work, you're going to love Canva. There is a free version of the program, but the pro version, so worth it. It's $119 and you can also pay monthly. I share my designs with my team at school and at home where we collaborate on designs. And I'm going to give you 45 days free of Canva Pro. If you go to my website, natalietisdall.com slash 
favorites, just click on Canva once you get there. I may get a small commission if you purchase through this link, but that's just to keep my website and my podcast going. So thank you. Once again, natalietisdall.com slash favorites and click on Canva. Yeah. I listened to you on another interview where you talked about this motivational talk. So let's give an example of that for my 12-year-old son who comes home from school. And you know, my first question to him first year in middle school is, do you have any homework? Mm, no, I did most of it in school. Well, do you have a little bit of homework? No, I'm pretty good. Well, can I see your homework? Like, So for me, I'm just thinking he's not getting it done or maybe he's getting it done. I'm not really sure. So I go back and forth on, do I go through it every single day with him and make sure, or do I just kind of let him fail a little bit, forget something, and then feel that sense of, oh, that didn't feel good. Yeah. Like, how would you guide me or another yeah. parent through yeah. that? I, I ask myself three questions. Don't worry, am I thinking about my relationship with my own children? And I have, since they were very little, whose life is it? Whose problem is it? And whose responsibility is it? And my sense is this is your son's life. His homework is his responsibility. If he's not doing it, that's his problem. And I think we weaken kids mm. if we act like that it's not really their life. If we take responsibility for something that's theirs, or we, we try to solve their problems for them. So my, my recommendation, Natalie, is simply to say, say you know, have a talk with him and say, you know, middle school is a lot different than, than, than elementary school. And and I know there's a lot more organizational demands and kind of keeping track of all the homework. And I just wanted you to know, I, I'm willing to help you in any way I can. And if it would be useful to you, you want to do a kind of a daily check-in with me and, and kind of let me show you what assignments are. Mm -hmm. We can brainstorm a little bit about how to get it done. Uh, if you want me to, to, to occasionally to check, you know, the, the go online and check the assignments, make sure I miss anything, I'm happy to do that. But from my point of view, that... Taking responsibility, part of what you communicate to him is, I don't trust you to do mm. this. I don't have confidence that you can figure this out yourself. The worst thing in the world would be you're not doing your assignments. And I just think think differently. I think that, mm -hmm. that the worst thing in the world was that him resisting your attempt to, to help him chronically yeah. and yeah. lying, starting to lie about his work and say, I've done it when I really hadn't. You, you want to change that energy. It's, it's really, you know, I'm sure you're a wonderful parent. I mean, that... that and kids don't need perfect parents, but you can change that energy right now to think yeah. about yourself more as a consultant to him. His role is to help, help him figure out how to get his work done and do as well as he wants to do in school. Yeah. And it's so interesting as a parent of three, my kids, and you'll have to tell me in your experience, they are all completely different. What motivated one didn't work for the second. And now with the boy and the third, it's like, whoa, it's so different. And you can't ever expect, just as I learned one thing, I thought I could do it with the second one and it didn't work. That thing didn't motivate yeah. the second child. Well, it's so, so interesting. I have two, you know, and, and I'm a little different stage in life. You know, they're, they're, they're 40 and uh, 36, but they're, they're extremely different. My, my daughter is, is a brilliant, always is a top student, completely motivated, completely on top of schoolwork, uh, probably could have raised herself, but certainly she could have educated herself. And my son is an incredible and he's got ADHD and he had ADHD and learning disabilities and, and, um, and school was hard for him for, for a long time. And yet I, I, I walk this walk and it's the, the same, the same principle and self-driven child in, 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 in our new book, what do you say? I walk this walk and said so, so to my wife in terms of, we, we, we played a consultant role for him. Is, is there a way that I could help? 
should we get a tutor to help you out with that? Mm. As opposed to, to trying to force. Yeah, and, and, and we focused on all, all the ways of just maintaining our confidence in him. You can figure stuff out. And then he got a PhD in psychology and is, is, is working at Goldman Sachs with the top executives there. And, and just he's just a wonderful human being. And he and his sister are very different. They're very close, but they're very different. And so the, 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 so some of the specifics in the way that we interact with kids, we change the kids. But these principles that it's really their life, that it's their responsibility, their problem, that our rule it couldn't be to get them to, to turn out a certain way. It couldn't be to, to, get, to make yeah. them do this or that. Our role is to help them figure out who they want to be and how to create the life that they want and how to support them in any way we can. That's what we think is, is, is our role um, as parents. And if we think about it like that, it's much less stressful for us and oh, a yeah. lot less stressful yeah. for kids. Yeah. Let's talk for a, a minute about this notion of what happiness is. Because, yeah. you know, with one in college now, I, I all I have is to relate it to is what we've gone through. And one who wants to study something in college. And, and I just keep thinking, my husband and I keep saying, let them follow their passions, then they will be happy and figure out what to do with it in their futures versus you need to study something serious or, you know, let's talk about happiness and what that means, especially to young people. So, I mean, that in our new book, we have a chapter, it's called, it's called talking with kids about the pursuit of happiness. And it's based in part on our perception that that kids just have a very distorted view. Mm -hmm. Kids, most of the kids in in all the areas where, where, where Ned and I lectured about our book, Kids grow up thinking the most important outcome of their childhood and adolescence is where they go to college. And that, that somehow that, it's college and, and, and what that offers to you, top colleges, that you're, you, it guarantees a happy life. Mm-mm. And it's complete and utter bullshit. And, and, mm-hmm. and we thought, so we figured, let's start talking with kids early on. Here's what we know about what makes people happy. And accomplishment is part of it. I mean, it's, 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 I mean we, are, we, don't, we don't want, right. yeah, it's just not every, it's not the main thing. Right. I mean, think about how many people, you know, really successful people who are miserable commit suicide. I mean, did that mm. Ned and I were lecturing in, in, in Palo Alto a couple of years uh, after they had, they had a spate of suicides in, in, in high schools in Palo Alto. And, and the week before we were there, two Stanford undergraduates committed suicide, including uh, an Olympic, Olympic champion. Mm. And the, the, the year before, there were 31 suicides in Chandler, Arizona in, in 15 months. And, and we think the high achieving kids. And I think that we just have to kind of keep to recognize that going to elite school, having a prestigious job, making a lot of money, there's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. It's just that it's not necessary. The kids grow up thinking it, it, in, in this area, they say it's, it's, it, it's, it's either Yale or McDonald's. You go to Palo Alto, they say it's Yale or jail. Mm-hmm. You know, and they have this crazy, crazy idea that if you don't go to a top college, you're going to have a C minus life. Um, and as a proud graduate of the University of Washington, you know, I'll tell you, I, I wouldn't yield to anybody in, in, in terms of having a, have a completely charmed life. And so I just think that, that if we really, we can start talking with kids from early on, here's what we know about actually makes you happy. And achievement is, I want you to work hard. I want you to work hard to, de- to, to develop yourself so you have something useful to offer this world. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also, I, I, want, I want you to let you know that the relationships, I, I really, I love how close you are to your friends. I, 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 how much, how, I, I agree. They're, they're, they're as important as your grades are. Hmm. And I want you to really figure out what, what, what you really, we talk to your kids about their highest value, what's really important to you, because that meaning 
that that sense that what I'm doing is meaningful mm-hmm. is a hugely related to happiness. So start talking about things, even when they're young like that, that it's not, you have to get into this school or you have to, we've always um, said, and it's been so rewarding now to, to hear our college daughter say, you always told me if I worked hard, it wasn't the A, it was, you saw me working hard. So the B was fine. Or, you know, so starting that type of conversation, even when they're young, yeah, yeah, and, and certainly we we have a chapter in a new book on on motivation and the work of Carol Dweck is Carol Dweck talks about the growth mindset versus mm-hmm. the fixed mind. The growth mindset is that I get better through my own efforts, and, and it makes sense to support kids to give kids the message that to really let them know I'm, I'm appreciating how hard you work at that as opposed to their innate abilities. And so yeah, encouraging kids to work hard, and letting them also letting them know I love you as much if you work hard as if you don't. Mm-hmm. We don't want that conditional love and approval. You always got to work hard. You always got to do your best. We talk about that in our, I think the chapter on expectations in our book, that you always got to do, well, which among us always does our best? <laughs> and, and there's a cartoon of a kid coming to the parents and says, is this my best? You know, and I think that there's, we talk about that the most important message you can give your kid is I'm crazy about you. I love being with you. You're the most important thing in life to me. And, and I think that it's not that we don't set limits. It's not kids that get there in the household, but that we, we, we focus on, on the things that, that, that are really important, including nothing more important than our relationship with our kids. Because mm-hmm. having a closer, really feeling, when kids feel close to the parents, it protects them more than anything else from mm-hmm. mental health problems. Yeah. And when they don't feel judged, you know, I, someone said years ago, and I've tried to implement this with all of my kids. And I try to be this to other kids that, and I'm curious your opinion on this, that every young person needs at least five people that they feel like they could just say anything to and not, and outside of just their parents. So I think about that when these kids come rushing in my house from high school and like, I hope I'm one of those, Are you anything, but at least five. And so I, I add that up and I go, are there five? Like, and maybe the number isn't as important as just people they know they can go to who won't be judgmental. I love that. I love that, Natalie. And, and you know, when, we were, when Ned and I were working on our new book, we interviewed a bunch of children that an older adolescents. And we said, who do you feel closest to in this world? And sometimes it's said a parent, but very often it, it was a cousin or an older brother or it was a, a teacher or a coach or a counselor. And we said, what is it that makes you feel close to this person? And invariably, they said something on the order of, they listen to me without judging me, mm. and they don't tell me what to do. And one of the things we say is that we want, we want a close connection with our kid, but we don't want to worry that somehow, if our kid doesn't tell us everything, that somehow we don't have a good relationship. And when, when my son was, was in high school, there's certain stuff that I, I, I you know, talk about sex or various things. So look, at, I, I talk with Coach Rose about that. I thought, good. And we want because they have other people they can go to, as you said, who mm-hmm. listen to them without judging them and can give them advice, but not try to tell them what to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that, that it's, it's huge. And we were just, we are so struck, Natalie, by how consistently that's what kids said without any prompting. Wow. Yeah. 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 Well, where can people get more information on everything you're doing, your books? You just have so much to offer. Well, thank you so much. And it's, it's been a very reward kind of, kind of late stage part of my, my career here to, to, to write these two books. And, and so Ned Johnson and I, my, my co-author, um, so the first book is called The Self-Driven Child. And this new book is, is called What Do You Say? 
how to talk to kids to build, how to talk with kids to build uh, motivation, stress tolerance, and a happy home. And so the, the, those two, they're, they're both, I have, if I say some of this stuff, they're great books. Uh, I just, as I kind of, I was rereading part of one of them today, the, the new one. It, there's a lot of great stuff in it. And it's based on principles that just, how could you, I mean, really, that I think are just true. Part of the reason that mm-hmm. the sense of control, it's so powerful. Yeah, and, and the idea that you can't make somebody do something against their will, the yeah. idea that, that communicating in a way to, 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 to keep a focus on that close relationship, that, that, that unconditional love, this stuff that's kind of universal, that yeah. you, just, and it works, and it works, again, you adapt it from kid to kid, but the principles are universal. Yeah. So it's these two books, and, and we, we actually, we have a, a, a group called selfdrivenchild.com, the selfdrivenchild.com uh, is our website. We have a closed Facebook group for people who like our books and we'll do these Facebook live presentations and people let people know what we're doing and where we're lecturing and that kind of stuff. I'm going to join that Facebook group for sure. I love your books. I love the way you approach this. It's a tough time and yet the most beautiful and rewarding time as well, being a parent. So thank you for that. Well, well, I've loved talking with you now. Thank you. Well, we'll talk hopefully again soon. And I just appreciate your time today. It was great. Thank you for joining the Natalie Tisdall podcast. You can follow along on Instagram and at natalietisdall.com. Subscribe to the show to catch every new episode and leave a review so I can continue to bring you fresh content. See you next week.